Good morning, everyone. My name's Trevor. Jeff comes up to me as he's looking at me, grooving to the music, and he just gives me a shake. He said, you know you're on after this, right? Can I get another applause for the band, guys? That was ludicrous this morning. Oh, my goodness. Uh, however your morning was, just take a little breath. I bet you you're feeling just a little bit better after that group just came up. Like, you guys put it out for us, so thank you this morning. You're bringing a gift to all of us on that one. It's awesome. Awesome. There's a discussion group afterwards, so if after Jeff talks, you just think, I need to talk about this, because who doesn't, right? Especially when Jeff goes, right? We're really going to... Yeah, thanks, Jeff. But there is a discussion group, and we encourage that. If Maybe you've never been part of a discussion group, but it's a really neat process sometimes to hear other people kind of restate an idea. Like, oh, I kind of hadn't thought of it quite that way before. They give a perspective or they're part of a story, so that's pretty awesome, actually. So encourage you, if you haven't done that and you're interested, just happening right after the service. Now, I'm part of the charitable giving team, and charitable giving team runs from all of us. And I say us because we all donate to this wonderful cause that is Friends Church. And we want to keep this church going, and it's been going pretty well through, I don't know, has there been anything else going on in the last 20 months? Like, we've navigated a pandemic, and we've stayed on this right side of the surface. But what the team has kind of noticed is the last few months, things have been going kind of down a little bit, and we're really projecting an end-of-year deficit of about $20,000. So I want to share that with you because it isn't alarming. Like, well, you just told me we're out 20K. <laughs> yeah, but it's not just me who has to come up with that money. <laughs> it's us. And if we have the capability to maybe add or take a little bit extra, we can. And the other thing, we don't just look at that willy-nilly. We're really good stewards of your money. They do a lot of research. I know our pastoral teams, before we put dollars into any program or any idea, and that's important. But the other thing is, we also don't get too concerned about some little blips. But this has been more of a long-term thing. So one of the things I'd like you to consider this morning is, if friends is important to you, maybe look at maybe there's a one-time donation. Or if you haven't up what you give a monthly in a little while, just look in your heart and say, hmm, is there a few extra dollars? Uh, there's a letter coming out this afternoon. Jeff's outlining a bunch of different strategies for how we can do it. But we really want to keep this thing going. I mean, not just for today, but the spiritual gym is kind of open for all of us. And it really keeps at least my spiritual journey on track. It really does. So have a great morning, everyone. Thank you for your continual support. And yeah, Jeff, it's all up to you. Right on. Thanks, Trevor, very much. Good morning, everyone. And welcome to Friends Church. It seems like people are getting a little bit more comfortable with coming out. It's great to see this crowd kind of swelling around here. And if you're joining us from home or wherever you might be tuning in, we, we welcome you. Glad you're a part of Friends Church. Hey, last Sunday, I had a phenomenal day. Uh, I don't know if you remember the weather last, sun, uh, that last weekend, but it was amazing, hey? Felt a little bit like today, maybe even a little bit warmer, but... I was here at the spiritual gym. I had a great morning with a whole bunch of people here. I went home, inspired by this warm weather. I grabbed our dog and went out for a big walk, breathing in the fresh air. I got home. I did a little workout, and I was like, this motivation, you know? I thought, okay, oil. I got to change the oil in my truck. So I brought in my truck, got that done. My son came over. He was doing some work on his truck while I'm out there chatting with him, I thought, you know what, I'm going to get the Christmas lights going. (laughs) 
Uh, so I pulled them out, and we're, I'm up on the roof scaling the thing. I got, I got them all in place. I'm like, yes. Normally, I'm doing it about minus 30 weather and almost breaking myself, you know. So I was like, yeah. I looked down the street, and some guy's out pruning his trees. I went, yeah, yeah, it's pruning time. So I pull out the pruning shears, and I'm up in trees by the... By the time I finished, we had half the driveway covered in branches or whatever. Kathy comes home and is like, what the heck? I say, hey, look at honey. So, so I, we're carting all that away. By the time that day ended, I was spent, man. Like, I was like, oh, I need... I need to relax. I, get, I went to bed that night, and I'm exhausted, but I'm feeling so good. You know that feeling when you've had a day where you go, man, check, check, check. The list just gets knocked off. You know that feeling? Why is that? Why can that be so satisfying when you can get out there and just feel like, man, I got so much done. So is it the productive nature of it? The sense of accomplishment? Maybe that feeling of, I feel like I'm getting ahead and not falling behind. You know that feeling? I recognize I will run myself ragged to get to that point. Where I'm checking, checking, checking. What's ironic is Tuesday night. Yeah, it was Tuesday night. Kathy and the boys are sitting in the kitchen and they're talking about the Northern Lights. Anyone get out and see the Northern Lights this last week? Well, shame on all of you. So, anyways, <laughs> I love these nature lovers and these <laughs> people enjoy the bright skies. Anyways, they're, they're saying, let's go out and see them. Let's go out. We'll take some pictures. We'll and I'm coming down. It's like 1030 at night. And they're going, we're going. Come on, Dad. I said, where are you guys going? We're going to see the Northern Lights. I said, now. They're going, yeah, come on. Let's go. I'm like, it's 1030. <laughs> I'm a little tired. And they're looking at me like going, come on, Dad, like that ever stopped you. Let's go. I'm like, uh, I said, so I kind of said, okay. So I, I'm starting to go upstairs. And as I'm walking upstairs, thinking I'm going to change, and I start thinking about my work week. Start thinking about Wednesday and everything I've got to get done. Start doing the mental math on the sleep. I'm like, by the time we go out and get back. So I turn around and walk downstairs and I'm like, guys, I don't think I can do this. They're looking at me like, are you kidding? Kathy's like, Jeff, seriously? I'm like, I just got so much work to do. Whatever. They're like, okay, whatever, fine, we're going. You know that feeling? 
you ever feel guilty for just stopping and breaking away from the grind? Going and just doing something reckless or fun or worse, nothing? Knowing that there's still lots of work that's waiting for you. Maybe you feel it when you sit down to watch a movie one night, or you want to sleep in on Saturday morning. You're just tired. Then uh, you forgot about your alarm. Your alarm goes off. You're like, ah! And then you start thinking about all the stuff you could be doing. You know that feeling? It's like, oh. Is this just me? Am I just, is this public confession time for Jeff? Okay, good. I see those hands. Praise the Lord. (laughs) You do know that feeling. I think this struggle to just stop working has plagued humanity since the very beginning. Like, I can go all the way back to the Hebrew slaves in Egypt. Just reading the story this last little while. The Hebrew slaves who were working under Pharaoh. You know that story? They were never allowed to stop just grinding out this tough existence of slaves day after day under some harsh conditions. Their job was to make bricks for Egyptian construction. That was their job, day after day. Every day looked the same. Crank them out. Crank out those bricks, and they had these quotas. You've got to meet the quota, or there's punishment waiting. Someone's going to pay if when I count at the end of the day, you haven't come up with it, there's problems. Those slave drivers would be sitting there whipping these people. Constant pressure to perform. One time someone asks for a little time off and the Pharaoh hears about it and he freaks, freaks. He says, you slaves, you are lazy by his standards. You thought you had it tough? Tell you what we're going to do. Before I had our men go out and get straw and bring it to you so that you could make bricks, so you could meet your quotas. We're not doing that anymore. You're going to go out and find straw, you're going to bring it back, and you're going to make as many bricks as you were doing it before. These people are just under the boot day after day after day. Every second on that job was accounted for. Every slave's value was based on what they could produce each day. You gotta keep up. You can't get sick. You don't you dare stop or we all pay. Can you imagine that grind? What an ugly existence. You know, for many of us in the modern world, our understanding of time can be to some degree similar to what those Hebrew slaves were experiencing in Egypt. Time based on what we can squeeze out of it. It's a very utilitarian view of time. It has a utilitarian function, a practical, it serves a very practical function. 
We have X number of hours to get Y amount of money. We have a half an hour to get those four things done. We relate to time on the basis of what we can produce within the amount of it that we have. You see what I mean? Very practical. How long will it take to do that? What will be the return on that investment? Production, production. How many hours of sleep am I going to get? Our livelihoods, our personal self-worth, it all can be measured by what we've produced with the time we've had. That's why you have people that would say, by the time I'm 30, I want to be. By the time I'm 40, I want to have achieved. These, this is this utilitarian view of time. What can I get with the time that I have? And like they say, time is money. Nothing more valuable than time. How many times do we hear that? Don't you squander the time. But it, this utilitarian view of time, it has a mouse wheel effect to it, doesn't it? Where you never really feel caught up. Like you've done enough. Like you can just stop. Let me ask you, do you ever feel like you're kind of just a number? A cog in a wheel? A slave? to a machine that just keeps saying more, more. Do you ever feel like your worth, your self-esteem is way too caught up in how many bricks you're producing? How many items you've checked off your list this week? How many zeros you got sitting in that bank account of yours? It's all tied to this. Is how you think about yourself inseparable from what you do? Do you ever feel like you're a slave to your to-do list? To your job? You see, the truth is, the story of e- the Hebrew slaves in Egypt, it's, it's more than just a little history story. It's actually yours and my story. We can find ourselves in this. We can all be slaves right here in Canada in 2021. So interestingly, one day these Hebrew slaves are freed. They're rescued. Moses comes in and saves the day and pulls them out of Egypt. They enter this wilderness, this desert land, where they begin a new chapter of their lives as free people, free to do whatever they want, to live the kind of life that they've always hoped they could live. And it was in this season, this window of their history, that they began telling a story. It's one of their origin stories of how God, their God, Yahweh, had created the world, had taken six days to create everything that they experienced as humans, the universe. And then on the seventh day, he rested. One passage says, God stopped 
and took a long, deep breath. Some scholars have suggested that this creation story was written by someone in the Hebrew community as a way of recognizing and legitimizing the human need to stop. To say, time out. To get off the mouse wheel. To rest and recharge their minds and their bodies. This was a new experience for these Israelites. They came from pure on mouse wheel, man. They were just grinding and producing nonstop. Now they're saying something is unhealthy about that. Let's, let's build a routine of stopping. So from this story that they told, a commandment arose. They were to work six days and six days only, and then they were to take a break where time would be treated differently. It wasn't about production on this day. It wasn't about creating more. It wasn't about checking off the lists. It was actually the opposite of all of that. It was about taking a big, long breath. Time out. That's what it was about. Under this new understanding, there was a time to produce, a time to get stuff done. There was Egypt time, Egypt mode. And then there's this other time when you stop and you act like the work is done, even if it isn't. Because how many know it's never done? The other night, I'm uh, so Kathy and I. We got this uh, this Peloton, this bike, stupid bike. <laughs> <laughs> and so, anyways, I get into this program, and part of the program to, uh, needs to establish your baseline fitness level. And so, you do now what I know is called the FTP test. And it's, anyways, they just push you hard, harder than I was expecting on the front end of that test. I'll tell you that. And you spin for about 20 minutes. And every few minutes, the pressure, the tension just keeps getting ratcheted and ratcheted and ratcheted. And that instructor is looking at you in the screen going, this will be a complete 10 out of 10 on the difficulty scale when we're done. You will leave nothing left. You will barely climb off that bike. Like he's telling me, he's psyching me out as I'm going. I'm just like, oh my God, I didn't know what this was about. He's like, don't you dare quit on me. Don't you dare quit on me. He's, and, and so he's kind of walking through. You, all right, you got this much time left. You got this much time left. This is what your mind's going to be telling you. The lactic acid, my, we're just, my mind is screaming, just stop, Jeff. No one's forcing you to do this. I'm just like, I'm so conflicted. I'm almost crying. I'm, uh. But then I heard those magic, the magic countdown. Three two, one, you're done. Release attention. I'm releasing it as fast as I can. He's like, you're done. You're done. 
Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Come on. And he's, he's just having this come to Jesus moment for everyone that's on that test. I'm just like, oh. He's like, yes, you're done. It's it. There is something beautiful about knowing you're done, isn't there? You can take that into every part of your life, but at some point, someone stops that mouse wheel that you're running on. It says, whoa, no, you're done. Come on off. Stop. Stop. You walk in the kitchen, what can I do? And someone says, absolutely nothing. Park yourself down. Oh, those words feel nice, don't they? Let me get you a drink. Sit down. <sighs> to have someone give you permission to say, turn the frickin' lights off. We're, out. We're over. It's done. Stop. You're off Egypt time. We're on Sabbath time. When you can do this and you feel fully justified in doing it, it's amazing what happens in the soul, isn't it? I'm looking at some of you that know how to do this so well. I'm inspired by the way that some of you have Sabbath rituals built in, which I'll get to. Sabbath is when you spend time remembering that efficiency and production are not your highest spiritual goals in life. It's not your ultimate measure. And you remind yourself of that. And all of a sudden you're going, oh, I can't sleep in. Oh, I, got, I can't sit here and watch another one of these shows. I got to. I'm not shamelessly promoting sleep or binge watching. I, just for the record, everyone has their own story, right? Own journey. For some, that might be exactly what you need to do. It's amazing, though, what can happen when you embrace the Sabbath mindset and truly believe you're done. The presence that happens. It's like you stop the flywheel, you sit down, and all of a sudden you really realize for the first time just how fast you've been moving. We've all experienced that moment, likely, when we go on vacation. I mean, it is the absolute mouse wheel leading up to the minute you're done, right? And then for the next day, two, three days, you're sitting there checking your phone, checking your email, thinking, oh, did I get that done? I, you know, I really should call them. It's just, you're distracted, you're in this place, kids are going, mom, mom, come in the pool, dad, dad. We sit there when it's Sabbath time and we're still in Egypt time. And then, weirdly enough, something happens or you just decide arbitrarily, wait, I'm done. And then the shift happens. You ever felt that? It's just like, no, no more. I'm off the clock. You punch out and it's like, everything. The conversations become more lively. You start noticing everything around you. People, the conversations just start going deeper. The joy, the laughter. All of a sudden, man, you are in the moment. You know that feeling? It's just like, oh. 
is soul replenishing. I'm actually having a day off now. I'm alive. Have you ever been in that mode and all of a sudden it's just like, whew, what time is it? Oh, you've lost complete track of time. Yeah, yeah, because you're not on the clock. You're not producing. You don't have to do nothing but enjoy. Another beautiful byproduct of this Sabbath time, the Sabbath mode, is becoming aware of the wounds and the bruises you've suffered in the middle of Egypt time. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you can be middle in the middle of the rat race on that mouse wheel and little things happen. Someone says something. Something happens and it cuts you. Someone betrays you. Someone says some uncalled for comment. Whatever it is, things happen and the, re- and the conflict doesn't get resolved. The thing doesn't get fixed because you don't have time for it and you move on. But then here you are a week later and someone does something so silly, unintentional, not even meaning anything, and there we are flying off the handle. What is that about? Oftentimes we just collect these bruises and these little paper cuts. And in the middle of Egypt time, there is no time to deal with those, but they wait. They wait till they step up and take you hostage in the middle of the most random moments. You see, the beauty about Sabbath is it gives space, it offers space to be able to kind of poke around and all of a sudden go, holy crap, where did that come from? I never finished that conversation. It's often during Sabbath time when we realize that the shoes left at the front door or that joke that someone played on us wasn't really what we're upset about. It's that thing that happened back that was left unresolved. Sabbath can give us time to review and process, to have a conversation to be able to think deeply about some of those things and put them to bed. It, it has another benefit. You'll hear Vince and I probably to a nauseating level talk about some of the things that we do in our recreational time. You'll hear us talk too much about golf or dirt biking or hockey or ice climbing. We talk about these things consistently because they are part and parcel of our Sabbath rituals. They, they now play a mandatory part of our weekly routines. You know, the weird thing about play is it has really very little production value. Oftentimes, it requires lots of exercise or energy it sometimes costs money. Sometimes it will f- inflict injuries. <laughs> it will do all, all kinds of things. My wife, Kathy, is constantly looking at me going, really? Like, have we not had enough of the 
hospital visits here. Can we just call that one off? But what they yield, and for those that know how to play, you know the soul recharge, the time off the clock. Question, what kind of play do you make space for in your own Sabbath practice? Once you begin to take a time out, once you start realizing that there is something to the Sabbath practice, this non-productive, non-creative space, where you apply the brakes rather than the gas in certain ways, where you measure the output in much different way than you do during the week or whenever. Something can start to happen where you begin to realize, okay, oh, oh, this really does something for me. Oh, that felt so good. Oh, I feel so different after some of that. Then the challenge becomes trying to make that more of a rhythm that isn't just a hit and miss, random experience, but that it actually becomes a part of your regular lives. To figure out your Sabbath rhythm is the challenge. Now there has been so much fighting over this in religious circles, over the technicalities of Sabbath, when it should start, how long it should last, what you should be allowed to do. I have zero energy for that conversation. I think it's way too complex. I think everyone's story in life looks so much different than the next person. What Sabbath looks like for you compared to this person, how long you get to take might be completely different than the next person. Everyone's story is different. Some have to literally take a couple hours wherever they can get it just because their life won't allow it right now. So let's not, let's not waste our time trying to come up with a formula that everyone's supposed to fall into. Can we? What we care about is that you actually find a Sabbath ribbon, rhythm, that makes sense for you, that actually recharges your soul. Because it can easily get taken hostage. It can get muddied and buried. In this day and age, in pandemic, when work space is now home space for many. It's like you get up and you can't tell, am I working right now or am I off? I have found myself at 8.30 at night going, oh, what the heck? Been sitting at that laptop? I gotta, I gotta stop, I gotta eat. It gets blurry. Part of the challenge of finding your Sabbath rhythm is learning how to build in artificial finish lines, stop lines, even though the work isn't complete. This is key. A number of years ago, our pastoral team, Vince, Carmen, and I, and our spouses, we were invited to the home of a Jewish family from the synagogue here to experience a Shabbat dinner. Anyone heard of Shabbat before? This is, this is the Jewish, one of the most common Jewish start lines for their Sabbath, a ritual that they cook into their weekly 
experience. In the Jewish tradition, at some point late afternoon on a Friday, there is a self-imposed finish line. It's like my Peloton instructor saying, three, two, one, done. Release tension, you're off. Well done. Friday afternoon, all of a sudden, they turn off the screens, they crank up the music, they start lighting candles, they bring out this beautiful, these ingredients, the lamb starts getting cooked. You know, the, the meal that they begin to prepare is unbelievable. They pour the wine, they pull the fresh challah bread out of the oven, it's just like, holy smokes. We show up at this place at 6.30, the place, is in full-blown Sabbath mode, man. It's like, whoa, this is the real McCoy. Vince and Carmen and I are high-fiving like, this is going to be good. We sit around the table, and they bring out that food, and this guy, another Jeff, he begins reading the Exodus story, reminding us all of the way that God had delivered the Israelites from the hands of the Egyptians and that we were no longer on Egypt time. He encouraged us just to breathe. Over that evening, we sat around that big table, we told stories, we laughed at jokes, we drank lots of wine, we ate our faces off. but there was something so undeniably refreshing and recharging about that ritual. We walked away from there just going, wow, knowing we didn't need to be anywhere, do anything, to think about anything, we were off the clock. It's like, wow, that was something. You know, the Jewish people use Shabbat as their weekly artificial finish line. Whether the work is done or not, you're done. Light the candles. Now, I'm not convinced it needs to be a Shabbat meal. I remember a time when our kids were young, every Saturday morning, it's a family. Uh, Carter, my youngest son, he was the early bird of the three. He would come down, I'd pull a chair up to the counter. Him and I would make banana pancakes until he burned his hand one day, then he was off duty. He said, no, I'm not doing that with you anymore. But Saturday mornings, we would make pancakes, and as a family, we'd sit around the table, and everyone would eat, and then the kids would grab their guys and play in the living room and watch cartoons while Kathy and I drank coffee and chatted. It was one of those accidental rituals that became very important. It was like you, you, you didn't say yes to golf Saturday morning. You didn't do other things. It was something that we experienced together that set a tone, that set a rhythm for that weekend. Like, hey, everyone has their ritual. We moved on from that as the kids got older. My Monday morning golf became part of my Shabbat. Sunday morning, Friends Church, the spiritual gym, this is one of the most central catalyst for my spiritual journey. It's a time where I turn off my phone and I'm engaged. I'm thinking about things that I don't think about sometimes throughout the week, unless I'm talking. 
And then you're hearing all about what I've been thinking about all week. But this is an opportunity for people to process, to take a time out. And I know I've talked to many of you that are going, this here is so important for my space. It gives me room to sit back and think deeply about what it is I'm doing, where I'm going, who I am. It sets a tone for my Sundays. I get it. There are all kinds of Sabbath rituals, artificial finish lines that you can create. My neighbors, Friday, 4.30, they've got the camper packed, and they're driving out into the mountains. I know some of you, mountain biking out in Fernie. Like these rituals where it's just like, no, this is play. For some, our small groups is part of your Sabbath ritual. It's just like, I'm coming together. I'm, I'm saying no to everything else that's going on. I'm just going to be in the presence of their people. Stop. Have you given much thought to your Sabbath practice? How regularly do you allow yourself to say three, two, one, push away, even though work is waiting still? This is so critical. I love how Jesus talked about it with his followers. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do this. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I'm not laying anything heavy on you or ill-fitting. Keep company with me. And you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. That is my invitation to you today. Learn to live freely and lightly. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the importance of understanding our I. What do I need? How should my life be best ordered based on who I am? How I tick? Designing your Sabbath is a large part of understanding your I. And when you can start to figure out what it is you need, what recharges you, when you plug into that thing and all of a sudden you're losing track of time, you're like, the smile's returning, you're hearing everything, things are turning into this full color picture. You're onto something there. That, this is tied to understanding your eye. I don't know what you need to do this week to bolster your Sabbath. Now, maybe you're going, actually, I got Sabbath figured out. I need to figure out work time. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll come another week, I guess. For those of you, though, and there's often a certain kind of personality that struggles with this more than others. I get that. You type A's, Sabbath doesn't come easy. You, it, it just doesn't. Because often our value is so based on what we do, what we achieve. And so for you, the spiritual journey might be to really think deeply about why it is that you have a tough time saying three, two, one, I'm done.
maybe you need to give some thought to your rituals. An artificial stop line. When would it be? Maybe it has to vary week by week. Maybe it's not just one day. Maybe it's at the end of your work day you start there and say, okay, enough of this running into seven, eight at night. I, I need to be able to say no on a regular basis. Oh, I don't know what your, your deal is. But I want you to think deeply about the shift, the rhythm, the stopping from Egypt time and moving to Sabbath time. May we all find our Sabbath rhythm. May we all find those things that continually restore our soul, that help us live freely and lightly. May we learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Where we start breathing deeper, no more of that shallow breathing. And we quit planning. Quit strategizing for a second. Quit mapping out, drawing lists. In fact, do that right now. Just take a big, big, deep breath, big, deep breath and blow it out. Are you traveling lightly? Did you make some change this week? Hope you do. I hope you do. May you keep a Sabbath. May you set it aside and allow yourself, give yourself a gift to be, be, be here and now. All right. Glad you're here this morning. Look at what this is a Ten Commandments series. Next week, uh, Vince is up. He's covering a commandment. I can pretty sure, pretty sure he's covering a commandment. So uh, you won't want to miss that. Look at, uh, there's a discussion group that's happening after. Lots of people jumping on uh, to these groups. If you're not a part of a group and maybe you're thinking about maybe getting involved, getting to know people, you can go to friendschurch.ca forward slash groups to see a number of the different things that are going on there. I don't know what your, uh, what your gig is, what your deal is. There's no pressure on our end, but find the things. That will, uh, that will give you the rest you need. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you uh, next Sunday.